and a Levite soon came along in turn, and each passed by on the far side of the road, not wishing to become involved in the man's needs. We should not be too quick to scorn these men, or we may discover we are convicting ourselves. Consider how you might react if you were anxiously taking a shortcut through a dark alley. Imagine that you see a groaning man on the ground, conclusive evidence that a marauding band of thugs is watching you around the corner. Surely the wisest thing to do is to hurry on to safety and send some official to look after the poor victim. So you run. There may have been another very religious reason for the priest and the Levite to avoid the man. Levitical law declared that anyone touching a dead body was ceremonially unclean, Numbers 19, 11-16, excluding him from worship ceremonies for seven days. What if this man were already dead or about to die anyway? How easy it would have been for these religious professionals to think this will get in the way of my discharging a higher calling. So they walked by the man. In the process, however, they also passed by the clear teaching of Scripture, to have mercy on even strangers in need, Leviticus 19.34. The irony of this verse is that the priests and Levites were the very officers of God's people who were charged with helping the needy. The priests were public health officials, along with their other duties. The Levites were distributors of alms to the poor, This was a priestly calling, and yet these two pit their schedule, full of ceremonies and other valid religious duties, against their purpose. Clearly, they neglected the principle that to obey is better than sacrifice. 1 Samuel 15.22 The One Who Showed Mercy Finally, a traveling Samaritan arrived a sworn enemy of the Jewish man lying in his blood. The Samaritan faced the same danger that the priest and the Levite had faced. In addition, all of his training and experience should have led him to simply step on the victim, not just over him. Samaritans and Jews were the most bitter enemies. When the Jews were furious with Jesus, they called him a Samaritan, John 8, 48, because they could not think of a worse name. Nevertheless, in opposition to all these forces, the Samaritan had compassion, verse 33. This compassion was full-bodied, leading him to meet a variety of needs. This compassion provided friendship and advocacy, emergency medical treatment, transportation, a hefty financial subsidy, and even a follow-up visit. The phrase, ministry of mercy, which we will use throughout this book, comes from verse 37, where Jesus commands us to provide shelter, finances, medical care, and friendship to people who lack them. We have nothing less than an order from our Lord in the most categorical of terms. Go and do likewise. Our paradigm is the Samaritan, who risked his safety, destroyed his schedule, and became dirty and bloody through personal involvement with a needy person of another race and social class. Are we, as Christians, obeying this command personally? Are we, as a church, obeying this command corporately? Questions Raised The parable of the Good Samaritan is nothing if not provocative. To begin with, it is a reverse trap. 
A law expert sought to trap Jesus into saying something derogatory about the law, but Jesus showed him that the Jewish leaders are the ones who do not really keep the law at all. Our Lord attacks the complacency of comfortably religious people who protect themselves from the needs of others. The points he makes are no less shattering to us today, and his teaching instantly raises many questions. First, there is the question of necessity of mercy to our very existence as Christians. We must not miss the fact that this parable is an answer to the question, What must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus responds by pointing the law expert to the example of the Good Samaritan, who cared for the physical and economic needs of the man in the road. Bear in mind that Jesus was posed the very same question in Mark 10.17 by the rich young ruler. There.